Welcome to the third Sunday of Easter. Today's scripture reading is taken from Romans chapter 11 verses 30 to 22. I shall be reading to you from the NASB version. I am speaking to you who are Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry, if somehow I may move to jealousy my fellow countrymen and save some of them. For if their rejection is a reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the first piece of the dough is holy, the lump is also. If the root is holy, the branches are too. But if some of the branches are broken off, and you, being a wild olive, will graft it in among them and become partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. You will then say, Branches are broken off so that I may be grafted in. Quite right. They are broken off for the unbelief. But you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited by fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Behold then the kindness and the severity of God. To those who fell, severity. But to you, God's kindness, only if you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Welcome to the third Sunday of Easter again and also the third week of our circuit, break, circuit breaker. I hope that everybody is getting used to being at home more and enjoying life with the family. But before we begin to this Sunday sermon, I'd like to show my appreciation to a core group of PTMs and members who have made this pre-recording, pre-recorded service possible. You know, many of us would like uh, also enjoy and enjoy watching YouTube and, and we would spend a lot of time on videos. Many of you wouldn't know the amount of effort taken needed to take, needed to, to get this thing done. A lot of YouTubers, you know, have specialized equipment, cameras, mics and lighting equipment to capture the near perfect footages. Some of them with more budget may have professional cameramen, soundmen and, and even a makeup artist. Most YouTubers doing videos on their own will, on their, will, be, will at least have some form of basic standalone equipment. And after the footage is captured, it needs post-production to align the sound and improve the lighting. The whole process is to make the video engaging for the viewers online. But our situation is actually very challenging, you know. First, we have a huge logistical constraint because we are not able to meet up or share equipment. So every video footage you see was taken by the subject themselves on their own without any on-site guidance or professional equipment. A lot of us, you know, like me today, we are using a simple mobile phone or webcam. I'm using the earbuds here to capture the audio. A lot of us use uh, tripods if they have, or if not, shelves, stack books, and or even ask the family members to hold for them. I was a bit, I was, I was very blessed because my son and my daughter made me a little stand from Lego to hold up my phone upright so that I can take, uh, uh, capture the footage with it. And after they capture the footage, you know, they, the PTMs and the call group need a lot of alignment in the post-production work on their simple post, uh, non-professional software. You know, to, to align the brightness of the footages, the sound level, the audio quality, the video quality. Some of them we have recording in different formats. And all this will be merged into a complete service for us this Sunday. 
give you an example of our worship segments. We have so many singers, drummers, keyboardists, guitarists recording the same song in different locations. You know, they need to manage the same tempo, the same melody. And I noticed even some of them use their bedrooms or, or perhaps one of them use their storeroom so that the audio and lighting conditions can be perfect. It is of course easier if they can meet and record. Some churches I observe online, they use old footages or rehearsal footages, but our people wanted you to have the live worship experience and they serve as they did each Sunday with more effort but less equipment. I didn't know how difficult it was until it was my turn to preach. It totally didn't strike me even after the circuit breaker was announced. I thought, well, I don't have equipment, so maybe the pastors will take over and I can sell, you know, because, well, I... What can I do? I have no equipment and my house is hardly a place to film. I don't have an, a, a, a suitable place. And then, suddenly, last week, PIC sent me a message. They said, it's your turn to preach, right? And then I said, uh-oh, I don't know how to do it because I have no equipment to record this. I How to read the script, I was thinking to myself, and, and record and look at the camera at the same time without the diverting eyes. No stand, no pulpit, no mics. Then I, then I asked Pastor Emmanuel, because he was preaching that Easter Sunday, and said, hey Pastor, like, how do you do it? So he texted me back, da, 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 and said, okay, well, he stood next to his TV, the TV was in his room. So I said, uh, okay, and, and then he said that he put his laptop on his bed stack with books to elevate the laptop. So I said, oh, you use the laptop to capture the image and the footage. He said, no, no, I use the mobile phone. Huh? Then why do you put the mobile phone? Oh, I use the, I put the mobile phone on top of my laptop using the blue tag. I said, what? You use the blue tag to hold the, the mobile phone to capture the image? Then I asked, okay, how do you read the script? As the video records, he answered, okay. He, has, he asked his wife to scroll the document on the laptop as he preached for the whole 30 minutes. Now, I was not very convinced by the blue bag idea. I thought, look, what if the mobile phone drop off, right? And I think my wife will not be able to help me because she's going to manage the home-based learning and the kids' schedule and the work. So my video, I knew on set from that day, it has to be an OMO, OMO one-man operation. So I, I was ganjong, I went to Google and watch YouTube and see how you do, YouTubers do it. And I realized, wow, what we did. For our Sunday services, it's so difficult and all using a humble mobile phone. Now, I may have spoken quite a fair bit here, but I think our people deserves, who serve deserve to be mentioned in this service. I want to thank you, so many of you who rose to the occasion at such short notice to make sure we can observe ourselves as usual. Now, back to the sermon. Today's sermon is taken from Romans chapter 11. Then Romans 11 is a, is a chapter in this section uh, of chapter 9 to chapter 12 verse 6. Now, this is the section where Paul tackles one of the most divisive issues of the Roman church, and that is the role of the Jewish covenant in the light of Christianity. Now, the Roman church is a mixed community of many house churches consisting of both Jewish and non-Jewish Christians who converted the majority of the Roman church then were non-Jewish Christians. But these two groups are always in conflict 
they had differing views about God's covenant, God's law, and about salvation. It's not just being unfriendly to each other, but they are open and large-scale conflicts between the two camps. The Bible historians wrote that these disturbances eventually sparked the expulsion of the Jewish from the Jewish people from the city of Rome by Emperor, Emperor Claudius in AD 49. What was the issue? Simply, the Jewish Christians in Rome regarded Christianity as part of the Jewish belief and required followers to observe the Jewish mosaic and ceremonial laws. As we heard from PTN Maiming last week, the Jewish people always thought of themselves as the chosen people of God. They believed that they were God's preferred race and performance created exclusive elitist worldview. To them, it is only by following Jewish practices that one can gain acceptance. Now, even if a guy converted and accept Jesus as their saviour, to be acceptable and safe, everyone, including the non-Jews, need to follow all the ceremonial and mosaic requirements in the Old Testament. These laws include circumcision, male circumcision, food laws, and various cleansing rites. On the other hand, Paul and Peter ruled that only faith in Christ is necessary to be acceptable and safe in God's kingdom. These mosaic rules and ceremonial rites were already fulfilled by Christ on the cross. So the non-Jewish Christians see their fellow Jewish believers as those who are weaker in the faith and themselves as the stronger in the faith. The weaker in the faith who scrupulously observe the ceremonial regulations condemn Paul and the non-Jewish for not doing so. They were against non-Jewish evangelization unless the converts were prepared to be circumcised and observe the flaw in full. They regarded Paul, who is a Jew himself, both a traitor and a co- traitor to the covenant and an enemy of the law. The stronger in faith, which are the non-Jewish converts, on the other hand, made the mistake of despising the Jewish Christians for still being unnecessarily bounded to the law. Therefore, it is in this context that Paul wrote his response in Romans chapter 9 to Romans chapter 12 verse 6. In Romans chapter 9 verse, in Romans chapter 9 and 10, Paul spoke to Jewish Christians. Paul says that they have no reason to find fault with the non-Jewish. He argued that in the Old Testament, one is not justified before God by form, your birthright or your, or your simple adherence to the law, strict adherence to the law. One is justified before God by his faith, just like Abraham. God is God in the end, and it's God's prerogative to show mercy to whom God chooses. In fact, the divine choice and decision is to show it to all people, as we see in Romans chapter 11, verse 32. God had chosen the Jewish people before, and he can do the same to any other nations. When PTM Naming spoke about God's election last week, it must be read in the terms of election as a people group. It is not God's will that salvation is exclusive to the Jews, but that in the times of the Old Testament, God elected Israel, hoping that she can be a positive example to the sinful nations around her, the Canaanites. Her example in worship to God of holiness is so that all the nations can admire and appreciate and come to see God's salvation. God didn't choose Israel so that only Israel will be saved. God chose Israel so that they can be an example. As I preached before in August last year, it is God's will and it is shown in the Bible that throughout from Genesis to Revelations, 
It is God's will that all nations should be saved. So after chapter 9 and chapter 10, coming to chapter 11, Paul turned to speak directly to the non-Jewish Christians. They drew lines against the Jewish converts, calling them old-fashioned. He said, without a doubt, God did not reject the Jewish people. Paul himself, despite being a Jew, a descendant of Abraham, from the tribe of Benjamin, was not rejected by God. In fact, God wants the Jewish people to come to faith, and with them coming to know Jesus, their recovery is going to set off a massive revival. In chapter 11, verse, verses 17 to 22, Paul used the image of the grafting in of the wild olive shoots onto the olive tree. It means that the root of the Christian faith was founded upon the Old Testament promises. The non-Jewish were grafted into the main roots. The right response then is to acknowledge the indebtedness. Be thankful, not arrogance and pride. Romans 3.23 God said, All men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is repeated in chapter 11 verse 32. God has determined that all are disobedient and His mercy should be offered to all. Jews or non-Jews, both have no cause to put down the other. It is God's grace that makes them people of God. What is the point? God wants the church in Rome to be inclusive. When God opened the doors to everyone into His saving grace, he did not reject the Jews. Paul speaks directly to the non-Jews in Romans 11 and to us too because we are the Gentiles, we are the non-Jews. Regardless of your background, your heritage, everyone needs His grace. Everyone deserves His grace, His love and His mercy. Paul, tell, Paul tells us in chapter 11 verse 22 that instead of drawing lines, we are to remember God's kindness and do the same to others. How do we do this in our church today? Firstly, within the church, let us appreciate the service of every member in the Lord. Nothing is considered too small or unessential when offered to Jesus. Be it a ministry that is in the front, like worship leading or cell leading, or a ministry that serves behind the scene, like the floral ministry or the prayer ministry, Everyone serves the church body in a different way. Each gives glory to God in a different way. Christ himself taught us in the parable of the widow's offering in Mark chapter 12. And also the story of the woman, of the woman of anointing his feet with a jar of expensive perfume in Mark chapter 14. A true offering, a true service, when offered to the Lord, is always acceptable. And if Christ accepts the offering and the service, who are we to judge? It is everyone's worship in the Lord, in our own way, in our own level of faith, that makes church Christian. As I shared in the beginning of my sermon, I give thanks to God for this group of people that make our service video possible. I want to give thanks to the pastors and the lay leaders who have adapted, make plans so that our ministry can carry on safely in the time of ever-changing regulations. I want to give thanks to the various ministry leaders and their members who adapted and took off with Zoom or Hangout or other internet platforms for their cell group and prayer meetings. 
I mean, what is the alternative? In circuit breaker, we are all at home. We can also circuit breaker our fellowship and our worship. Nobody would know. But it is a time like this. When we adapt, when we take the extra effort to adapt, when we see members take the extra effort to adapt, we see real Christian commitment in action. Second, just as we avail ourselves to serve the body of Christ, let us also make ourselves available without preconditions to those outside the church. I serve on the Witness and Evangelism Ministry, and in this ministry, we run a program called Love Our Neighbors, uh, LON in short. There are about four or five cell groups helping us, and a few times a year, we go around to the neighboring blocks around the church, mostly rental blocks and the three-room flats. A few of us visit a, a small group monthly, bringing them food, fellowship and prayers. Interestingly, most of the people that LY reaches out to are either Chinese dialect speaking, Chinese speaking or non-English speakers. So there was a time I asked a question to our team of volunteers and key leaders if we should continue with LON. Because from experience, those who respond to us will be directed to our Tamil or Chinese congregations to follow up. And as an English-speaking congregation, none of our cell group, none of our ministry programs, and only a handful of volunteers are equipped for this profile. In corporate terms, this ministry doesn't fit, doesn't seem to have a strategic fit to what the general congregation is doing. The response I've gotten was humbling. None of the volunteers wanted to shut down the ministry. They shed the need on the ground, the rapport we have with the neighbours. They say our neighbours need God's love too. Because it was sensitive, we don't hard sell the gospel. But for the many years, our neighbour sees our church. And through our church volunteers, sees God's love in action. The same at Gotham International Fellowship is a ministry that we run to serve our migrant workers. We run three cell groups with the help of a small group of volunteers, the Burmese, the Indonesian and the Filipino, sorry, the Myanmar, the Indonesian and the Filipino. They meet weekly and even during COVID-19, they meet via Zoom. But again, anyone putting on a corporate hat may term these ministries as non-strategic with our church, with our church profile. COVID-19 has taught us something. Singapore cannot do without our migrant workers. With about 1.2 million of them in Singapore, the men build our HDB flats, Changi airports, MRT lines, clean our streets, clear our garbage. The women care for our families. A large pool of frontline workers in restaurants, retail outlets, and yes, in our hospitals as nurses and ancillary healthcare workers. A lot of these migrant workers are at the very front line of our fight against COVID-19, where most of us Singaporeans work from the safety of home. At the time of this recording, we see a pandemic within a pandemic among our migrant worker friends. According to MOH report, the infection rate is so high, it's much higher in the dormitories. I appreciate what our Prime Minister said during his address on the 10th April. He acknowledged the role of our migrant workers. He said, and I quote, 
If any of their family members watch my video, let me say this to them. We appreciate the work and contributions of your sons, your fathers and your husbands in Singapore. We feel responsible for their well-being. We will do our best to take care of their health, livelihood and welfare here and to let them go home safe and sound to you. What about God's church? What about our church? What is our response? Two weeks ago, I received an email from Pastor Anthony informing that three Amokyo churches in our building has agreed to open up our church to the homeless this COVID season. This is called the, this is called the Safe Sound Sleeping Place Initiative managed by the Ministry of Social and Family Development. Today, we have obtained approval from MSF to house up to six homeless gentlemen in Agape Hall. Firstly, I want to share that I was impressed that our pastors and leaders agreed to do this in a very short notice. It will take, you have taken up a lot of coordination while we are in circuit breaker. Second, we were asked to set up living quarters for six people within three days. Initially, I wanted to well, just go and buy everything and have it delivered. Then I was chatting up the vendors on the online platform and then he told me that it's not possible because a lot of delivery services are overbooked. Only one big frame guy can send it before the weekend because he has his own delivery trucks. So I thought, oh no, what happened? What, what can I do about it? Then I prayed and I said, maybe I'll send out a limited broadcast to some people in church and see whether we can get donations or not. So the WhatsApp went out asking for mattresses, bed sheets, pillows, etc. And trusting that God will provide. And impressively, in less than one day, responses poured in from this small group of people for all the items. And by Saturday, we were ready to welcome our first day. In the words of John Wesley, I, my heart was strangely warm. Strangely because... I was thinking, how come our members got so many extra mattresses lying around at home? Warmth, because I see God in their lives. Normal people putting up their hands to serve God, serve people they never met before. I want to tell you that even up to this day, I, I get cold calls from people who wants to give things and, and bless these people They are staying in our church. And I had to tell them, I'm sorry, I'm, thank you for your service, but if we really got what we need. And whether you have served, you have contributed or not, we want to thank you for contributing to this initiative. Now Paul taught in Romans that God's grace, God's love and mercy is for everyone. The church is for all of us, for everyone. The doors of the church, the doors of our church is to be open for all. This is one of the key lessons to be learned for the church team this year, which is home with a heart. Our homes are meant to be inclusive. God's church should be inclusive to all, for all. We may squabble, we may disagree, we may have petty disagreements, some more serious arguments. But Paul says in Romans 11 verse 20, Don't be arrogant. Don't be proud. Remember, you are who you are. You have come this far because of your roots, 
remember God's kindness to you and continue in His kindness. What is the heart of our church and our home today? Let us blur the line of differences with love. Let us make God's church one without lines drawn. A church that makes everyone welcome, love like a home. A church whose heart is like Christ that makes available His grace and mercy to everyone and anyone. Before I end off with a prayer to close this sermon, I'd like to challenge us this week to three things. As a response to God's word this morning, number one, I'd like you, wherever you are, whether you're watching the video live or you're watching a recorded version, pick up your phone. Pick up your phone right now. Open up your WhatsApp or your WeChat. Send a message to somebody that you have not spoken to for some time. This can be a church friend, a non-church friend, anybody that God put in your heart. Send a message to them and check on them and say, Hey, how are you doing? How are you doing in this COVID situation? How are your kids doing? Better still, if you can, you know, order food, order delivery and have it sent to their house as a treat. Second, I want to challenge you to give. Many of us are blessed beyond measure by God. And the government this year has given us some handouts to help us to tie through this COVID season. But as you read from the newspapers, many of the needy, about a few hundred thousand of them, are in need. They have lost their jobs. They have kids at home. They have no computers for home-based learning. They have difficulties struggling to meet their payments. I want to challenge you to give generously. And, and one of the places and one of the things that you can, you can give is the Methodist Welfare Services Initiative to bless 1,000 families in the time of need during COVID-19. And the URL will be given below in this, in this uh, tag here. NWS or Methodist Welfare Services aims to to raise 1.3 million to bless 1,000 families or 1,350 per family. And if you think that God has blessed you beyond measure, do something. Do something different this time. Do reach out to these people in need. Third, I would like to challenge every cell group this week, every one of you this week, to put up prayer altars in your home, in your cell group, online. Prayerfully ask God to impress upon you and your cell group a people group. It could be the migrant workers, it could be the healthcare workers, it could be somebody in the front line of the COVID-19 fight. It could be a friend or a member who has not been attending service or attending church or attending a cell group for some time. I like you as a cell and as as individual. Lift up prayer or set up prayer altars for them. Pray for God to bless them, take care of them, protect them. Be a blessing with no preconditions. COVID-19 has caused physical lines to be drawn. We don't want contamination. 
we want safe distancing meters apart. We put masks to prevent ourselves to one another. But in God's love, there, is, there are no physical lines. Let us show the world. No virus can stop God's love. No virus can stop God's church from living out His love. Let this COVID-19 be different for us as a church, as a body of Christ. God bless you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this time we are able to share your word. We remember you have taught us to give grace, love and mercy to many who are in need. All of us are deserving of your grace and your mercy. For those who need them more, we ask that you will show us who are they and you will provide for them. And for all of us in church, let us not help us to transcend the boundaries of physical fellowship. And through this process, let God's love be shown. Let God's love have no physical lines. Let the world see that no virus can stop us from showing your love. We ask of all this in the blessed name of Jesus Christ our Lord and Saviour. Amen.